0: Welcome friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author, Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of LifeWay, and David Kinnaman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome back, friends, as we continue our discussion of the greatest church health principle that I've ever learned, the watershed principle. And today I have Dallas White's gonna be joining me in just a little bit. He's a lead pastor of the Grove Church in Ackworth, Georgia. And he's also working with our young leaders. And uh, he's a consultant with our church strengthening team for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Super excited to have him part of our team, but also it just seems like Dallas, everything that you do buddy um, is gold. So thank you for doing that. Now, today is our fifth stream and we call it the multiply stream and a reminder, that the Watershed Principle, uh, we want to help you in that Watershed Principle to learn the six main streams, or, or what we call them intentional ministries of the church, that should be healthy for the church to be healthy. So these are the six streams. It's balance, reach, teach, serve, multiply, and lead. So today, the fifth one is the multiply layer or stream, which we, that subtitle is multiply, keeping to sending. It's a change. It's a shift of mindset. Now, a really cool announcement to make. We are going to do some giveaways just like we do every week. So make sure we put you, you put your name and, and where you're um, watching, listening from. It can be really important because we've got a really cool Tumblr that we're going to be including in the book resources that we're giving away. So what we want you to do is make sure that you comment, comment, where you're watching from, but also share the broadcast. So we're putting a little extra free swag in there and we want you to comment, share that broadcast and Lana will be drawing a name and we'll let you know who wins that later. Now, my experience from 30 years of local church ministry is that when church members understand their responsibility to multiply their faith, experience the joy of birth of new groups and see gospel big gospel impact through their efforts, it will become a contagious, all-consuming pursuit. And that's what we want. We want to help you and your leaders to experience greater gospel impact by multiplying disciples, multiplying groups, and multiplying churches. And friends, this simply is not going to happen by accident. It is a strategic decision that you as a leader have to make. Now, I've said it many times that one of our greatest failures as Southern Baptists has been our inability to multiply who we are as disciples. Now, let me be clear. I'm not just simply talking about evangelism when I say multiply. I'm talking about, yes, leading people to faith in in Christ, but I'm strategically using the word multiply. This means seeing unbelievers place their faith in Christ, but connect them to a local body of believers, a group in that local body of believers, guide them to spiritual maturity, which means they're gonna, in turn, lead somebody else to Christ and disciple them towards maturity. And spiritual maturity, friends, listen, it should always bear kingdom fruit. And that kingdom fruit, if you're growing spiritually, that kingdom fruit should include the concept of multiplication. Now, I love what Dr. Alan Jackson says. He said, you're not a disciple maker until the person you discipled disciples someone else. And the reality is that many of our churches do not have a sustainable process in place. So think about this. Let's say the average Baptist church baptizes one person a year. Of course, we know that some, there's a lot that aren't baptizing any, and we know there's some that are baptizing more. But when you look at the, the number of baptisms per year, the last two or three years, let's just say that average church baptizes one a year for 50 years. Well, it's 50 people being baptized and we praise the Lord for that, right? So we don't ever want to discount that. But in that same time frame, we're likely to see more people die and fall away from the church. Listen, we can't even sustain church life with that model, much less reach the world with the gospel. Now, pastors, I want you to lean in for a moment. Our team prays for you often, matter of fact, Church Strengthening, we have a prayer time every Thursday at 1.30 where we pray specifically for our pastors. Our discipleship team prays for you as a pastor because you are carrying such a load. And this concept we're talking about is among the biggest. Listen, it's, it's part of our mission, this multiplication of the gospel, of our faith. That's our mission, to make disciples who make disciples. We must not fail at this. And pastor, we cannot succeed at making disciples unless you lead the way by using, with your language and your example. And speaking from the stage, talking about making disciples, it's huge. Uh, branding that language through your promotional tools, what comes out of the church, that's huge. Talking about it in your leadership meetings, that's huge. But pastor, it's also got to come from your example. You need to be, I, we as church members, we need our pastor to be the lead disciple maker that has to be in place for us to be successful. And the enemy will try to tear down all of our efforts to multiply groups. And why? Because he knows that the key to God's plan of reaching the world with the gospel means that we're going to multiply that faith. And Dallas White wrote a great article that has a biblical example on how this deception works. And it's on our homepage, gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And I'm sure we'll drop a link to that in the chat. But here's what we know. The enemy is out to cheat and he is a liar. He will not play by the rules and he has switched the price tags. He would have us believe that our seeding capacity is greater than our sending capacity. That is more important. He wants us to get it to a place in our life where we can think, listen, if we get a comfortably full sanctuary or comfortably full uh, D group or life group or Sunday school class, I mean, check the box, say it's a win and let's move on. But listen, more important than just getting people into a seat is our sending capacity, raising people up discipling them to spiritual maturity, and then sending them out, whether it's across the street, across a nation, or across the globe. And the Bible's full of these references where Jesus was sending disciples. That's the win. Now, we see that in Matthew 10:5, when we see Jesus, uh, that these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, John 17, 18, he said, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Luke 10, where he sends out the 70, Romans 10, 15 said, how will they preach unless they are sent? And I love this last part. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? So listen, friends, think about the average Baptist church for a moment. Let me give you an example here of how this works. Let's say you're 35 years old. You come to my church with your two children and you join, you go to a Sunday school class. And let's say you're there for 30 years you're connected, you're happy, you're tithing, you're a church member, you love your church, you love your pastor. Odds are in that, that normal average Baptist church, odds are you'll be with the same Sunday school teacher in the same room with the same core members 30 years later and the, the sign on the outside of your door, Sunday school class door is still gonna say young couples and you'll still be in the same group doing the same thing. And it's not bad because we've learned to connect well, to, to be with people and enjoy ourselves and we should do that as believers. My friends, listen. There's got to be a multiplication factor. We will not reach our communities if we're not starting new groups, starting new ministries, and thinking beyond borders. So our problem is that our many of our churches are not emphasizing the command to multiply our faith or to reach people with the gospel. And this happens when we multiply disciples, multiply groups, and multiply churches. Our reality, when we have, uh, is that we have become better at connection than we are at multiplication. Remember, I've said this before, connection may be the first stone, and it's a great step on the path of spiritual maturity, but connection's not the goal. Christ likeness is the goal. We want to grow to be like Jesus. And if you want to be like Jesus, you got to share your faith. You need to connect in a group in the local church, and then you need to grow as a believer and then lead other people to faith and help them grow as a believer as well. History has shown us that an emphasis on connection without the priority of multiplication results in gluttonization not transformation my great fear is that we will continue to seek a win by digging in the wrong hole now here's what i mean by that i was digging for gold in the back of my neighborhood with my two little boys this this crazy okay back in january just a month ago uh, my boy saw a youtuber looking for gold in the creek, found some, they were fired up, he was fired up. So they, they're thinking, goodness, all creeks must have gold. So they daddy, we gotta go get some gold in the creek behind the, the neighborhood. So I take them back there, you know, rode my bad boy buggy back there, about tw- uh, two miles into the woods. We walked, we dug, we walked, we dug. Listen, for hours, you know what I learned? Digging faster, smarter and harder with the best tricks. Gimmicks and tools won't help you if you're digging in the wrong hole. Now, let me say that one more time, because I want you to catch this. There's direct application to what we're doing in the in the local church. Digging faster, smarter and harder and having the best tricks and gimmicks and tools won't help you if you're digging in the wrong hole. Friends, let me bring on Dallas White here because he's going to help me flesh this out, talk about some best practices for a moment. Dallas, we're super excited to have you, buddy, part of our team, but also on the broadcast today, and love what you're doing at the Grove Church there in Ackworth. So uh, let me ask you a a question here, if I can, to start it off, uh, because you wrote a great article, right? Um, And it said in that article, Dallas, that the greatest temptation that we see in life uh, of the Lord Jesus was uh, just before he began making and multiplying disciples. Now help me understand the connection between temptation and mission, and how that is evident for today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. Thanks for letting me be here today. Love you and love your heart for discipleship and multiplication, and glad to share with uh, pastors today. But I had this realization a number of years ago. I, I was part of what I would call, and I was leading um, what I would what I would call an attractional church, and mm. we had become very good at attracting people, particularly to our evangelistic events. So we had some significant success in that. And yet, as I was reading through the New Testament, uh, my heart was continually convicted that I couldn't point to a a small group that I was investing my life into, right? We were having great success and great numbers and some, some really cool things, but it was detached from personal discipleship and so the lord really began to convict me but what i noticed in that time that time frame was that there was a lot of temptation before i ever even got started temptation to believe hey what we're doing is enough temptation to believe what you're doing is the real win uh you've got you've got you know a thousand people showing up at this particular event why would you get rid of that instead to invest in you know a small group of guys and so all of these temptations started to arise and what i realized is what i was experiencing in my life is exactly what jesus experienced in his life before he ever began his mission of making and multiplying disciples the greatest recorded temptation in scripture you mentioned it that jesus faces is just before he calls to himself his first disciples
0: that's good
1: and in the article, Scott, I say I don't I don't want to imply by any means that the enemy is omniscient or he he knows how things are going to play out. I don't want to give him any more credit than he is due. But as you said in the introduction, he absolutely is cunning, and he is out to get us. And and I think now with some two thousand years of, uh, of of history in the books, right? I think he knows the danger of multiplication. And so for that reason, I think he comes after leaders like us. Who are hearing things about multiplication seeing the value of it starting to um sort of have an awakening personally in our hearts i think he comes after us and tries to tempt us in the same way he he came after jesus which is to say hey settle for all of this other stuff it's all this is all good settle for this instead of really for the purpose for which you've been sent and as you mentioned a moment ago jesus made it crystal clear the purpose for which we have been sent now because we have died to self and are alive in him is the same purpose for which he was sent, which is to Mm -hmm. make, multiply disciples. So that's kind of the thought process that went into the writing of this article and something that was so helpful to me all those years ago. And something I've had to revisit often in the years since to remind myself not to settle for all the other things that are out there uh, at the expense of making and multiplying disciples.
0: That's a great word. And that really leads into a second question I've got for you. Because you mentioned in that article that that we need to be able to say no to some good things so that we can say yes to one thing. And this is particularly true because we emphasize long-term tenure. And if you're going to be there for a long-term tenure, you start stacking programs on top of one another. And if you keep stacking, you keep adding, but you're not saying no, and you're not taking away, can really become a problem. So what's the one thing that you're referring to? And maybe give us some practical examples of how this works out in a leader's life.
1: Yeah. Well, well, for me, it comes back to this. I don't think we should be dogmatic about how people make disciples. However, I do think based on the life of the Lord Jesus, we should be dogmatic that people make disciples, right? So there's freedom and flexibility within the bounds of scripture to say, I'm going to attempt to make disciples in this way, but one thing we know is not negotiable is that all of us are called to join Jesus in this mission of making disciples. Hmm. And I, I think, Scott, that the, um, the, the unescapable reality for us is that that means personal reproduction, personal replication, right, of ourselves into the lives of others, not creating little Dallas's or little Scott's, uh, saying, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? And so we uh, are investing our lives into others with the aim that that same spirit of investment will capture their hearts and they will then in turn do, do that with those they have opportunity to minister to. So for me, what that has looked like is for the, for the majority of the last 10 or so years, uh, ever since I had sort of that awakening or realization, uh, there have been seasons where this has not been the case but uh, primarily over the course of the last 10 years investing myself into a small group of other men uh, usually through a weekly or a bi-weekly meeting where we are walking through the word together spending time in prayer and seeking to live our lives surrendered to the spirit of god if i I was giving Mm. three marks that are necessary for a disciple making relationship one that's gonna lead to multiplication It's going to be saying yes to walking in the word living filled with the spirit and being steadfast in prayer with a small group of of brothers in the faith for an extended period of time that that you can then release to do the same with other people and so sometimes because i say yes to that i have to say no to other things and Uh, I have found, not necessarily through my own wisdom, but through leaning into the wisdom of leaders who are further down the road than me, that my ministry effectiveness flows from my ability to clearly define my priorities and to say yes and no accordingly. So years ago when I was serving at First Baptist Church Woodstock with, uh, with Dr. Johnny Hunt, Uh, he wrote down after a period of sabbatical, seven life priorities. And uh, this was fairly later on in his ministry. He was still serving as the senior pastor of Woodstock, but the Lord sort of used that in my life to say, why wait? Why wait until you get further down the road to define or redefine those things? Why not start now clearly defining your life's priorities, of course, based on the, the word of God and the leading of God's spirit. And so as I define those things, I just had to become in my life and my ministry ruthless about saying yes to the things that were within that framework and no to, in many cases, the other good things that are outside of that framework. So a very practical example recently was a, a dear brother in my, my, my faith family here at the Grove. Uh, is is uh, pioneering a new ministry. and it's phenomenal. And what he's doing is is awesome, and I'm proud of him for, for pursuing this. but he asked me to serve on the board of his ministry. and um, and I always try to pray through it and and give it to the Lord. But I shared with him in advance. I said, brother, I want to let you know. I, I've marked out some clear priorities in my life that I, I, I let guide me. And uh, this would be one of those things that's great, and'm I'm, I'm proud of you, and I'm cheering you on. But I want to let you know in advance, I'm probably not going to be able to do this because I've made a commitment in these particular lanes. And that's hard to do. But I have found that people, number one, really respect a leader, a pastor that knows what they're called to do and is committing to do it. A person that's walking the Lord Jesus loves that in their leadership. Right. Um, But but secondly, it often inspires in them sort of a similar uh, thing. It can be catalytic to say, man, I want to I order my life in a, in a similar way. And I think that's something that the church today could benefit from greatly is, is all of us sort of reordering our lives first and foremost around the, the mission that the Lord Jesus has given us. But secondly, our unique part to play in that mission. And when we do that, it really gives us some clear boundaries on um, what we say yes to.
0: And then of course, what we say no to. So good. And what I hear you saying is that one thing, tends to shape and change sometimes our our values, our perspective, and our pursuits. I love what Todd Jones at First Baptist of Luther, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said to me, he said, listen, multiplication is about making people more important than programs. And when you have a multiplying culture, he said, two things happen. Your church begins to look like your community, and you go on mission to places where your community is from. So they've been following this mindset of making that one thing most important and then aligning everything with that one thing. And he told me, he said, listen, we've got 28 different nationalities now as members of our church, not people visiting, not people in the community, 28 nationalities that have joined their church because they made the one thing most important. Man, Pastor Mark Hearn there at First Duluth and Todd, just really amazing to watch what God's doing there. And I think Dallas, you got a couple of questions
1: yeah i think you hit it hit it on your head i keep my copy of the watershed Principle notebook here handy and uh one of the things you talk about in there that i have found to be so true and i want you to just elaborate on it briefly if you will is you talk about the fact that multiplication does not happen by accident so unpack some of the intentionality that has to to, uh, be in our thought process if we really want to join jesus in his mission of making and, and multiplying disciples
0: Yes, I have just learned in my life. Really, I would say the first half of my thirty years of ministry, um, I didn't have an intentional mindset of what I was doing. When I was given the gospel. I was just loving on teenagers and just trying to do ministry. The back half, I really became convinced that there's got to be an intentional mindset that I've got to have to make disciples and to raise up disciples who make disciples. And. I love 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and in that generate what I call generational discipleship, verse 2, it says, In the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I see at least four generations of disciples in that one particular verse. And and I just believe, Dallas, that um, and I'm th- not being dogmatic about this, but I just think that if we could, is, as, as far as a pursuit, it'd be good for us to have a Paul, a Timothy and a Barnabas in our life. Somebody who's investing in us, somebody that we're investing our life in them. And man, just somebody, an encourager, an encourager on that path, on that journey. You know, we all need that. So here's an example that I would say. Blake Lewis, guy that was one of my teenagers 15 years ago, maybe more, um, i I would preach at the prison um, the fifth Sunday of the month. And and my concept then was don't, never do ministry alone. So mm-hmm. when I would go to the hospital, go to the prison, I always tried to take a teenager or a parent with me. And uh, so I called him Saturday. Said, listen, man, I'm preaching at the prison tomorrow afternoon. I'd love for you to come with me. So he has come. So he's active. You know, I'm looking at him as a believer, potential leader in our ministry. When we get there, I'm giving the gospel, giving the invitation. And there were 26 prisoners that get saved and they're standing up front. And, and with those 26 prisoners is Blake Lewis. And I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's standing up there, you know? So we get over and I, we counsel, we fill out cards and all. i said, Blake, I saw you standing up there, man, what's going on? Um, and he said, man, I gave my heart to Jesus today. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you've been baptized, right? And he said, man, I've, I've grown up in a church, but I, but I've never made that decision. And I was just floored. So let's fast track this, okay? So I pour my heart into him. Um, he's a basketball player. I was a basketball player. I invest in his life. We're we're chewing on scripture. I give him opportunities to serve. He goes to college, gets part-time ministry, finishes college. I hire him as the middle school minister at Halton before I left. So he's now been there, gosh, almost 10 years, maybe eight or 10 years now as the middle school minister and an absolute stud, knocking it out of the park, finished his master's degree, and now he's working on a doctoral degree from New Orleans Seminary that's going to help him. And I'm telling you, he's becoming one of the great uh, student ministry minds in our nation, but that came from an intentional process to never do ministry alone. Mm.
1: That's so good, Scott. I appreciate what you said. And I think one thing for our leaders to recognize is that intentional does not necessarily mean programmatic. It Mm. just purposeful. And there's a big difference there because we tend to fall, as ministry leaders, we tend to fall into the trap of thinking program, 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 program. And we we think that programs mean we're being intentional. And to a degree, that can be true, right? It does mean we've right. given it thought and we've we've put some um, some creativity into it. So we're not throwing those things out by any means. But the story that you just shared was I took a guy to a prison where I was preaching and it changed the trajectory of his life. And I think what we have to do as leaders, is we have to be willing to say, um, disciple making intentional disciple making happens in a wide variety of context and and what we're doing and in being intentional and living as multiplying leaders is saying um the the absolute sort of uh, full spectrum of my life is going to be about multiplication and sometimes it's going to happen in a prison with one dude that i thought was saved but wasn't and other times it is going to happen in the context of a group or in ministry it's going to happen all across the place so not necessarily uh, boxing God in to our programs, but giving him opportunity to work. So you shared a little bit about God kind of working outside of maybe a traditional format, but talk now about how God often works within maybe a more traditional or, or, or normal framework, like a group, like a discipleship group, or we call them here Grove groups, but talk a little bit about how God works in the context of a group to create a multiplication mindset.
0: Yes, and here's an example. I spoke to Tim Smith. Dr. Smith was one of our discipleship consultants. He's now doing some other things. And, um, and he, he sent me this quote. He said, missing the missing ingredient in our churches today is multiplication. We've got the buildings, we've got incredible worship with friendly greeters. There's never been so much curriculum, never been more incredible programs, but where we fail is not reproducing ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. And Tim said, Scott, people have got to ask, who am I pouring my life into and influencing? And and he was talking about groups. Mm. He was just saying, man, we gotta be able to multiply these groups because in most of our churches, that is that hinge. That is what I call the thumb of our discipleship. That's the connector piece of what we're doing. And here's an example of how this plays out. At In, in Halton, I left, and, and if that ministry were dependent on me, okay, it would have fallen apart when I left. If I was a Lone Ranger, it would have fallen apart when I left. But here's what's interesting. When I left, they are as strong as ever in multiple areas of their ministry. And why? I hope it's not just because I left, but I think it's because the leaders that we invested our life in and raised them up for long-term ministry, they now took over Mm-hmm. And they're investing their life and they're reinvesting in others. So that process is continuing and it should never be responsible and uh, hinge on one person. Listen, As a matter of fact, if the one person in your church that everything depends on is you, be careful mm-hmm. because the Lord just may remove the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Now, let me say it again. If the one person in your church that everything depends on is you, be careful because the Lord just may remove that obstacle. Dallas White, thank you for being here. Thank you for an excellent article. I hope all of our listeners will uh, read. will look at that. And uh, do you have any closing thoughts, comments before we close out,
1: man? I think it's spot on. And um, I, I was sharing this statement on a video chat. I was on earlier today, but one of the the quotes that the Lord used early on in this process for me was a quote from uh, G.K. Chesterton. And he said this, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And uh, so when we begin this process of trying to make and multiply disciples, sometimes it's messy and it's not pretty and it's not programmatic at all, but it is intentional and God honors that. And so I would just say to all of our guys who are watching today, uh, Scott and the discipleship team, myself, if I can help you in any way, uh, take that first step. Uh, Let it be messy. Let it be let it be not perfect, but trust that the Lord will use it. Uh, not just in your life, but in in the, the life to come in uh, exceedingly wonderful ways. So let's make disciples together.
0: That's it, man. And I would echo that and say yes, a thousand times. Dallas, thanks for being home, here with us. And reminder, friends, we do have discipleship consultants in your region living and going to church and in the trenches with you, and they want to help resource you, you don't serve us, we serve you. So we want to be in contact with you. Uh, we want you to, uh, for our guys to be on your speed dial. And uh, also a thank you to Dr. PJ Dunn, our show producer for today. You are a rock, you're incredible. And friends, I pray two things for you today as we close this out. Number one, that you will make much of Jesus and him alone. And number two, that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you and let's make world-impacting disciple-makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash The number five, discipleshipshifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five, discipleshipshifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, We sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.